Welcome, and thank you for joining me for another episode of The Marketing Mind. On this show, I have conversations with my friends in digital marketing. These experts are the best at what they do. We dive deeper into what makes them tick. My name is John Ellis. I'm a marketing professional. I've been in digital marketing for close to 20 years now. Now, you can find me on Twitter every day discussing marketing. Join the conversation or ask me a digital marketing question. If I can't help you, I know an expert who can. Find me on Twitter at John W. Ellis. Thanks so much for the response and the comments on the last episode. We've been off to a great start with this show, and I'm really appreciating all the feedback. Today, I look inside the marketing mind of... This is Michelle Morgan. I am the Director of Client Services at Clicks Marketing. Michelle is a busy person. Like many of the marketers I talk to, they do the work. So constantly, they're speaking at conferences and creating content, and in her case, creating videos or blog posts and a bunch of stuff. But also, can one do all that public stuff, the stuff we see, but still do the day-to-day work, the grind, the grind that's needed to ultimately keep clients happy and ultimately pay the bills? So that's where we started our conversation. I, I'm, I'm one of those believers that you've got to still be in the weeds to be able to do any of the cool stuff. Like, I know that we know each other because we present at conferences and all that sort of thing. So we see each other once a quarter or something like that. But if you're not actually in the weeds, it gets really hard to do that in my mind. So I, I do a decent amount of the business admin kind of stuff like sales calls and um, talking to clients and having meetings and doing all that sort of thing, kind of helping run the business. But on top of that, I also manage my own book of clients, work with team to roll out strategies and optimizations and all that good stuff. So kind of start to finish. Like where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Yeah. So I actually was born and raised in Muncie, Indiana. That's not far from where you are now, right? You're in that same sort of Midwest no, area. No, it's not. I, I did the whole thing where I went off, went to college, went someplace else and then came back a few years out of college. So I kind of I kind of parked myself halfway between where my folks are and then downtown Indy. That way I could just, you know, I could still have the downtown Indy life, but then have a really quick drive back up and see my folks a little bit more often than I used to. Because I went to I went to school at uh, University of Missouri. So that was a six, six to seven hour drive, depending on how reckless I was being. What did your parents do? So my mom has always worked at uh, the universities in Muncie. So she used to work at Ball State. Now she works at Ivy Tech, kind of on the admin side of everything. So she's not a teacher, but she helps the teachers do what they need to do. And my dad is an independent insurance agent. So he's got his own little shop up in Muncie. That sounds like such a serious adult job. Oh, Insurance. it super is. And the best part is I, that means that I get to act like a child even longer because every time I have a question about insurance, I'm like, dad, can you help? Because so I don't have to like learn it that much, which is not great. <laughs> I should probably start retaining the things that he tells me. But every time insurance paperwork comes up or anything like that, I'm like, hey, dad, can you just can you just help? <laughs> so it's kind of perpetually keeping me in a child area. As a kid, though, what did you imagine yourself being? Because I can't imagine a paid search expert or something that was on your list of things to do. It definitely was not. So for uh, for the longest time, probably up until about eighth grade, somewhere around in there, I was destined to be a professional basketball player, as, as every kid wants to be. And then I didn't get any taller than 5'4", and I didn't get any faster, and I just didn't, <laughs> just didn't really measure up uh, as much as I would have liked to in the basketball arena. So um, eventually then switched tacks. And then during high school, I was going to be a professional golfer. So I was all about sports for however long until whatever dream ended up not becoming 
nearly as much of a feasible reality. So when did the um, let go of the dream that professional golf wasn't going to happen? Or are you still holding on to that? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Um, So I knew... Uh, it was partway through college. I kind of realized that that wasn't going to happen. Not, not necessarily for the fact that I didn't think that if I put my mind to it and I put time in and that sort of thing, not that I didn't think I could do the, do the golf portion of it. The thing that became more obvious to me is that it's not necessarily just the physical talent and all that sort of thing and the hard work that you put into it, but there is it's a completely different lifestyle. You basically have to be gone all the time. Um, it takes a lot of money to get started because you're not going to win for a bit. So you've got to figure out a way to travel and do all that stuff. And you've got to do the hustle to get pe- You've basically got to make money. You got to get money to make money, as they say. And just the idea of all of that was just so unappealing. I'm such a homebody as it is. And I didn't want to have to ask people for money and do that kind of stuff. That's like the last thing I would ever want to do in my life. Like I want to work for it and earn it, not ask for it and say, no, it'll be a good payoff. I promise. Like I just didn't love that. So it was more the business side as opposed to the sport itself that made me think, yeah, that's it's not for me. It's just not for him. Do you get out there and play much these days? Not as much. Um, I finally found uh, a group of people that I really enjoy playing with. My biggest thing is I don't care how good, bad you are, whatever. Um, I mostly just want it to be that when we go out, you're not just pissed the whole time. Like, just have fun. It's meant to be fun. I've been around enough people that go out and they get so mad because it means so much because you're in college, it's your scholarship, or you're trying to qualify for a tournament or whatever, like it means something. And I, I get that pressure. And I get that frustration. But like, if we're just going out on Sunday afternoon, don't take it so seriously. And I finally found some people that I can play with, but they, we can't always have the same schedule and whatnot. So it's a long winded way of saying not as much as maybe I would like, but when when golf isn't free, it's expensive too. So <laughs> I don't mind saving my money a little bit. <laughs> You came in with golf in mind. Was marketing sort of the plan? Did you kind of figure that the route, the route where you were going? Yeah, to some degree. So I'm actually one of those rare birds that actually uh, graduated with a marketing degree. So I did what I got my education for. <laughs> so I know that's a little bit abnorm- abnormal for a lot of people in our industry, but it's very clear that I am not an artist. I am not a super serious scientist. I am not somebody who wants to go into journalism. So just insurance person. Yeah, exactly. That's not what I want to do. <laughs> that was something that I, I remember even telling my dad whenever I was in like high school, I was kind of like, so I know your business is Morgan insurance. Grandpa ran it. Now you, li- now you work in it. That's your job. I made it very clear that like, I, I do not want to run this family business. But yeah, in terms of like the mechanics of how things work, my, my brain is just very much wired to trying to figure out how businesses work and how you can market things and that sort of thing. Like I always kind of thought about that anyway. So it just made sense that that was a good major for me to go into because my natural inclinations led into it. But I also found it interesting as well. Did you go straight into PPC? I did. I graduated college. I had the call with my folks where they were like, okay, well, um, if you want to come home or something like that, uh, like a month or two after graduation or something, then that, then that's fine. And I was like, Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm getting a job. I'm not going home. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get a job. So the job that I ended up getting was actually online marketing assistant is what I applied for. I had no idea what it was going to be, just knew that it was computers and marketing. So 
should be leading me in the right direction. And on day one, after orientation and whatnot, they plopped me down in front of front of a computer and AdWords editor, and then I was off from there. So have been using AdWords for the past ten years. Been using Facebook ads for almost just as long. So kind of fun. How how quick did you get to clicks? So I worked in house for two years, learned quite a bit, had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and then wanted to find some additional challenges. So it took me a couple of years and then I made the move to agency side at Clicks. I have been at Clicks now for at least seven years, I think. We're probably coming up close on eight or we're going toward eight or something like that. That's the thing I was curious about because that, I don't know if you realize how, at least from what I know, that seems rare in this industry. Oh, it someone is. to be some be somewhere that long because we all we all kind of hop around. We do our own thing. We do different things. Do different projects. I have I have the longest tenure uh, aside from the owner. Yes, I know it seems like such a little thing, but I just we know people that are that a couple years we're good. Let's move on. Um, oh yeah, for sure. And I I totally get that. I have always been one of those people, but I think that the the thing that has helped is that. Every, like, I have, I have noticed in myself that I have a burnout of about every two years. And I think every two years there has been something that has changed or my role has changed or something like that that has kept me on my toes, which keeps me around. So it's not, certainly not doing the same things that I did on day one. So that's kind of what's been making everything just keeping me happy and keeping me staying here. Yeah. And it seems, and I imagine it helps that, at least from what I can tell, it seems like a truly remote company. Like everybody's really remote. It just lets us hire better people, honestly, um, because not everybody wants to pack up and move, especially if your spouse has a career. And if we can let you stay where you are, there's no reason that we can't hire better people across the country to work with a good team. So, At least for what we do, it doesn't even make sense to be in an office. I think it's you get much more productive by keeping people at home. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are moving that way for sure. So tell me about paid media pros. Yeah, so Joe Martinez is a good friend of mine. We've, we've just always really enjoyed each other's approach to marketing and kind of wanted to start something that had just a little bit more creative outlet than just writing blog posts or doing something like that. So we uh, we actually started working on paid media pros when we each were at different agencies, got the sign off from the folks that we were working with to say like, this is something separate. This is something different. It's not meant to promote a specific brand. It's just meant to be thought leadership on our own terms, basically. Um, and since then, it's grown to be quite a bit. I think uh, we just hit uh, 600 subscribers on YouTube not long ago. And I think we're closer to 650 as of today, but that keeps fluctuating back and forth because the YouTube dashboard is a little bit broken. But besides the content part of it, what's that production part like? Do you have a, you guys have a content calendar you kind of commit to or how many videos per week or month or what's the plan? Yeah, we do to some degree. So we post uh, longer videos every Wednesday. Um, and we've been starting to do shorter videos that don't necessarily require their own like 10, 15 minute gap. We've been posting those every other Monday. On the pay-per-click side of the industry stuff, what uh, what worries you these days of things that are coming, things that are changing, anything, anything keeping you up at night? I'm noticing more and more that a lot more people need, and, and not like they didn't in the past, but a lot of people need like very specific guidance on strategy. It feels like it used to be that everybody would go in and just have whatever keywords they wanted in a Google Ads account, and then they went from there. But with the the way that people are using the web anymore and being on constantly different platforms, and each one of them has their own strengths and weaknesses and different uh, optimization patterns you have to go into. There's a lot more 
thinking involved, I guess, and a lot more nuanced thinking, I should say. What that means in terms of like how that's impacting me. It's not really keeping me up at night. If anything, I feel like that's job security for a lot of us marketers, because if you know how to do the strategy part and you know what you're doing and you pay attention, then you are still providing value. But the folks who are out there just saying, I'm going to take these 100 keywords, put them in Google, and I'm going to check marketing off the list. Um, that's, you just can't really do that anymore. Yeah, that strategy is the right word. I mean, just the bidding strategy alone is getting more common. There's always a new bidding strategy. It feels like every six months, and now you can do it this way. And as you know, there's each has their good and bad, and there's probably no right or wrong answer, but that's what I, that's what yeah. I have to look at now. No, for sure. And I feel like that's something that I have constant discussions with uh, different folks that I'm working with, because in in the way that they know to look to me for strategy, and I will give them my opinion, there are many times where I have to come back and say, we should run a test. And they're like, well, which one do you think is better? And it's like, I don't know. And that's that's part of it. Like each each bidding strategy has its own, and I'm using bidding, bidding strategy just as an example, but across a lot of different things, each tactic or bidding strategy or ad copy approach has their own pros and cons. Otherwise, they wouldn't both be on your list of potential things to test. It would also be such a ridiculous existence if I could look at two landing pages and tell you which one was going to perform better. That's just not the case. If we knew that, then this would be such an easier job. But there are so many times where we have to say, well, let's test it. Let's see what happens. And going back to those bidding strategies, like this, do, do you tend to default to one when you first start a campaign? Is yeah, there- pretty much. So we pretty much put all everything on uh, manual bidding or manual with enhanced, basically. Um, I am still a firm believer, and I still tell people this on new accounts, that there is so much feel that has to go into how you manage accounts that I don't think people necessarily account for. I think starting off on manual bids, making manual changes, seeing how things respond, that sort of thing is better when you're starting off with a new campaign, new account, that sort of thing. For any brand new set of keywords, new targeting tactic, new account, whatever, always start with manual. Yeah, that makes sense. And and if you're doing a conversion-based strategy, you can't do that without conversions. So you can't exactly. just can't I mean, come out Google, of the gate. Just- Google says you can start with conversion optimizer without conversions on the account if you have conversions on the pixel, but I'm I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going down that path. I do a lot with lead generations and multi multi touch campaigns and different elements and lead scoring and MQL SQL. You're all speaking that, my language. All that glamorous stuff that. Uh, that just pe- people and then working with Salesforce and or sometimes working with a sales team and seeing what they're doing. Do you, do you find yourself doing a lot of that? Yes, I do. And I love it. I start, I actually have a presentation that I do that's about um, lead generation strategies. And in the beginning I talk about, like you said, the glamor of e-commerce and that sort of thing. And I kind of compare the, compare the two by saying that e-commerce is basically the Usain Bolt of the, of the PBC world. It's like, really quick, flashy track show. And then lead generation is the, they're the marathon runners is the equivalent. Nobody knows who they are, but what they do is you can still win a gold medal at the end of it. You get the same takeaway. You just don't get nearly as much glory because it takes longer and people don't have the attention span for it. But I love the challenges that come with lead gen more so than e-commerce. So I'm, I'm very much in that same realm. 
Right. For sure. Yeah. I've been through that process several times with companies. And most recently, uh, about a year ago, we went through a process of creating a, a lead scoring system and the point system and, and, you know, how many points it takes to get to an MQL. What I, what I learned was on paper that all sounds good, but until you execute it and, and it shows up in a salesperson's queue and they look at it and they, and we tell them it's an MQL and they're, they're saying, no, it's not. <laughs> So yeah, but it, it matched all these dots. We were trying to hit all these things and look, we got it scored perfectly. It's like, I don't care. I don't care what your scoring system says. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and I've called this and this is garbage. So it's a, it's a, con- it's a constant work in progress to tweak that and find out, find out what works. And, and maybe there is no magic number that works, but it's a, it's something that's always moving. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that, uh, that might be just a common misconception because I've had a couple of people ask me questions that, sound something like the scenario you just laid out. They're like, we did lead scoring. It didn't work. And it's like, lead scoring is just like marketing or SEO and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's not something that you do it once and you check it off the right. list. It's, it's constantly evolving based on hopefully you're testing different audiences, different calls to action, different sales processes, different lead nurture sequences. Like there's so much that goes into it that it can't be something that you just check it off the list and say, this is done. It's like, no, that's another process that just needs to be managed. And you just need to have somebody who's constantly paying attention to it or a couple of teams and always making that evolve so that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, and ideally. Yeah, <laughs> also, ideally, exactly. I do, in a perfect world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what okay. okay, so you're doing uh you're doing paid media pros. You're you're doing co- how many conferences are you doing a year? This is the year that I might have broken myself. Um so I think that the only months that I did not have it might have been February and July that I didn't have something. I mean, I I don't do as much as you do. I t- I probably just do one a quarter. Um so I don't do that much. So I, you've been, you've been in the industry longer than I have and been speaking a lot longer than I have. And I think that over the past couple of years have been ramping up. And this is one of those years that like a lot of things just worked out and I kept saying yes to things. And I think I overextended myself. So I've already had to say no to a couple of things in 2020. So I'm I'm trying to balance it out. So I guess in, in between when the, the public stuff, like like paid media pros and conferences in between there, you're actually doing the, doing the work. Oh yeah. Every day, constantly doing stuff for the, for the book of business that we've got that at least I'm working on as part of the agency. So yeah, definitely still in there every day, making tweaks and doing changes and communicating with clients and all that good stuff. You have a, I guess a career plan. Do you kind of know what's next? I mean, I, I know, I know you're happy with clicks, so I'm not saying, I'm not insinuating that, but uh, do you kind of see where your, your career is going or you just kind of, go with this flow i feel like i like at this point like you said very happy with clicks keeping all that kind of where it is i know i said that i've got kind of a every every couple years i usually hit a burnout stage and around the time that we were starting to work on uh paid media pros whenever joe and i started talking about that that sort of thing that was kind of one of those points that i had just kind of like stopped and was like okay i'm comfortable now. And I feel like I feel like I always need to be uncomfortable. I think that's more what my it's not really a burnout cycle is that it's a constant learning cycle. And every two years with whatever I was doing, I feel like I get comfortable. And it's like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. But if anything, 
this is kind of taking a different tack and maybe I'm not, maybe I'm doing a lot of the same things in my day to day job, managing clients and doing that sort of thing, which obviously you have to do to keep the lights on, but also to keep your hand in it so you can speak. But even doing this stuff on the side has been a lot more of a challenge because like we talked about, it's not even just do you know what you're talking about to make a video? It's that you've got to find the time. You've got to put together the technology to be able to do it. You've got to put together the actual plan of what you're going to do. So there's a lot that goes into it that I think is keeping my attention peaked that is a lot more fun and just different. So it it's something that at this point, trying to keep all the stuff, obviously, at the day job going on and continue doing well there. Um, but then also trying to take the time on the side and put together the the best channel that we can and see what we can turn that into, basically. So that's kind of where I am. I don't have anything too much further than that at the yeah. moment um, because that is a full plate of food, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about all the stuff you got to do to create those videos and you, you know, and you got to write a script without people and then read the script without people realizing you're reading the script <laughs> or, or at least, <laughs> well, a bullet, at least the, the bullet here's points. Here's the joke to that is that I never use a script. I just get up and wing it. And there are some takes that are just terrible and that's what makes the blooper real. So <laughs> nice. In my early days of speaking, I would literally write notes on index cards and go through them as I was doing these. And I realized this is not, this is not going to work. So now I don't, I don't have any notes at all. I just literally just have the PowerPoint. I don't know a lot of things, but, but I know what I'm talking about up there. So once I realized that it's like, I know more than most people in this room, other than the few people that are up here sitting with me, I'm confident in what I'm doing. So if I stutter a little bit, people don't care about that. They just want to know that you know your material, and I felt confident there. So I just, uh, I, I just threw away. I mean, I still hurt, kind of rehearsed a little bit because I didn't want to. I still got to be a professional, but, <laughs> but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't worry as much anymore if I if I stumble over words or or writing a script down or writing notes down. It just, um, it just kind of comes out. I do, I do very much the same thing. I put together all my own presentations, so I know what's in there. I run through it a couple times, just trying to make sure that I know basically what's coming next and what are the main points that I want to hit. I, but then even on top of that, it's like, I just want to know who's going to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Make sure everybody laughs at it. Cause when you're laughing, you're paying attention and you usually retain more when somebody's entertaining than when they're just stale. So yeah. And who's going to get your Whovian references. Yeah, pretty much. I learned <laughs> my first presentation I ever gave. I had it all framed in a Doctor Who theme, and it became the running joke that I basically just was making fun of myself for picking a theme that nobody knew anything right. about. So <laughs> I still turned it around, but nobody knew what that was. So <laughs> what um, we talked about college a little bit. What did, what advice would you give someone kind of going into college who wants to do what what we do? Any tips? First of all, while you are there, talk to your professors if you can and just like tell them what you want to do because I had a couple of professors that for whatever reason I had to talk to them early on just about kind of what I was thinking I wanted to do and that sort of thing. And it was, it, it was a pleasant surprise to me that there would be times where they would they would reference the example I gave them about what I thought I wanted to do and use it in the class as like, 
uh, kind of comparing things to what they're talking about and saying, here's like a real world example. And it would come back to what I had said in a meeting. Um, so I would say get to know your professors. That would be really helpful. On top of that, the statistics class. I hated stats class. I couldn't stand half the math classes that I had. But I tell you what, there are some instances where my clients will ask me to come up with something or to come up with an answer to a question and I have to just math my way out of it that I don't think you realize how many of those types of math that require letters and numbers you might actually run into. Learn to solve your way through problems, I guess. That's the that's the science side of it. The art side, leverage your creative side. I think that understand how to communicate with people because if you want to do what we do, I communicate all day, all the time. So just understanding how to relate to people on a number of different levels is also hugely important. So I would say try and take like classes around either communication or um, society, uh, any type of psychology, that sort of stuff is really helpful. Yeah. You mentioned also having it like in college, like having a people should have sort of have this creative, I guess, outlet. Do you, do you have that? Like, are you into art or do you play an instrument or do, do you do something outside of outside of work? So what's funny is that I think that I, so I, I do to some degree. So I have get, been getting more and more into, uh, <laughs> into photography recently, which I just joke that I'm basic white girl with another Canon camera <laughs> walking around all the time. So yes, I do that. So that, that part is fun. I don't necessarily post a lot of those. Those are kind of just for me in the moment to dink around with it, but a lot of my job is the strategy, the putting together a new model, the communicating stuff. A lot of what I do is the art portion of it, and there's like some science mapped in. My whole life, I have just loved Legos. Legos are fantastic. I still have I have a bunch of them up in my office I'm looking at right now. One of the things that I will do instead, as opposed to having something that makes me be creative, I will just build a Lego set that's got the instructions and that sort of thing, because that kind of quiets my mind. So I, I almost need the more like, step by step you don't have to think about this as much in my spare time i feel like i do a lot of the creative stuff at work and then when i'm off work i need to do the stuff that's not as creative so i'm, I'm kind of the opposite when it comes to that michelle thank you so much for joining me today this has been great and thanks for bringing your insights and in paid search listeners be sure to look up paid media pros on youtube and give them a subscribe as always i appreciate you making this part of your podcast routine be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know of new episodes. If you haven't yet, leave me a comment in Apple Podcasts or however you are listening. I'd love to hear from you. Reviews and stars are always helpful. Join the discussion online. Let's talk about even more marketing. You can find me on Twitter today and every day at John W. Ellis. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.